So I know one of the deep theological questions that we all have, is it okay for a pastor to wear a t-shirt? Absolutely, and I'm wearing my Romans chapter 6 t-shirt once again, because we're in Romans chapter 6 again. So if you guys want to turn there, I love this, rest in peace to the old me. You guys remember last time we looked at the old man? You guys know that we've been set free from sin, and we are alive to God, okay? Been crucified with Christ. I love it. So we're going to be finishing up Romans 6 this morning, but before we do that, I want to share with you guys a story that Steve Brown shares about his daughter, Robin, when she found herself in this difficult English literature course that she desperately wanted to get out of. So she went the first day and she thought, hey, if I don't transfer out of this class, I'm going to fail because everyone else here is much smarter than I am. I can't do this. So she came home, tears in her eyes, begged her dad to get her out of the class so she could go into a regular English course. And Steve said, of course. So the next day, took, uh, took her down to the school and they went to the head of the English department. She was a uh, Jewish gal, a great teacher. And Steve remembers uh, the event and in his own words, he said this. She, speaking about the head of the department there, looked up and saw me standing by my daughter and could tell that Robin was about to cry. And there were some students standing around and because the teacher didn't want Robin to be embarrassed, she dismissed the students saying, I want to talk to these people alone. And as soon as the students left and the door was closed, Robin began to cry. I said, I'm here to get my daughter out of the English class. And it's too difficult for her. The problem is my daughter, well, she's too conscientious. So can you put her into a regular English class? And the teacher said, Mr. Brown, I understand. And then she looked at Robin and said, can I talk to Robin for, or can I talk to Robin for a minute? He said, sure. And then Robin, uh, she said, Robin, I know how you feel. What if I promised you an A, no matter what you did in the class? If I gave you an A before you even started, would you be willing to take the class? My, my daughter's not dumb. She started sniffling and said, well, I think I could do that. The teacher said, I'm going to give you an A in the class. You already have an A, so you can go to class. And then later, the teacher explained to Steve what she had done and she explained that she took away the threat of a bad grade so robin could learn english you see robin ended up making straight a's anyways um but that's how god deals with us as christians do you guys know that you already have an a okay you have the perfect grade because you are in christ you see guys there is the threat of failure there is the threat of being judged there is the threat of condemnation okay but that has been removed so we are in forever do you guys get that once you are saved you are his you are in we have eternal life heaven is set before us so nothing we can do will get us a better grade does that make sense no matter how bad we may do things. It doesn't mean we're going to get a worse grade. We've been set free. 
So the question for you and I this morning then is what motivates us towards obedience? Okay, so what are the best motivators out there to motivate others to obedience? Well, like our children, or maybe you're a boss and you have employees, what do you do to get them to be motivated to obey what is needed? Okay, maybe you're a teacher and you have students, or maybe a new believer. Well, some try fear, guilt, threats, shame, and that can work, but it only works for a very short time, doesn't it? You see, guys, um, the fear and the guilt, they're not big enough nor powerful enough to get anybody to obey for that long haul. That's not what's going to do it. Okay, try it with your kids. It doesn't work that well. It just doesn't work. Um, but the engine of the gospel, guys, that God's radical, his outrageous grace Okay, is the only thing that's going to fuel you for a lifelong joyful obedience in the same direction. It's going to be gospel truth. That's why I always encourage you guys, we need to be gospel-centered in all that we do. You see, the Bible esteems grace, doesn't it? There's grace upon grace. We live in this dispensation of grace. We are saved by the grace of God. Okay, You see, the kind of grace... This is, it's, it's uncomfortably radical, okay? It's unbearably scandalous, and it's unbelievably scary. Why? Because all control is taken out of our hands, isn't it? It's not about anything we can do. It's all about what God has done, who he is. So what do I mean by this? Well, I mean as a new believer, say they get saved, right? They come to church and immediately we want to churchify them, don't we? You're a Christian now. <laughs> this is how you should dress, okay? This is what you need to do in order to please God, okay? This is how we talk as Christians. And now this is the music you're allowed to listen to. And these are the movies that are okay. And these are the ones that are not. And biggest of all is those cuss words you're allowed to use these but you can't say that right as we get into what paul lays out for us this morning guys i want us to grab the reality of grace the reality that we are set free and we have a new master okay so let's read here verse 15 what then shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace. Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that though we or you were slaves to sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. 
For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. And what fruit did you have then in the things which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have fruit to holiness in the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that cool? So as we consider this, guys, there's a new problem. And that's what verse 15 is telling us here. What then? This is the question. Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Now there are three things under the law that really, you know, we, we need to get it, Okay. One is the divine commandment of the law, okay? It dema- it's demanding perfect obedience, doesn't it? Okay? Perfect obedience. The second thing be a divine promise of reward, okay? If you obey perfectly, then you'll have favor from God. You'll be rewarded. And then thirdly, a divine threatening or a punishment of falling short of that perfect obedience and then we have grace and under grace it implies at least two things okay a revelation of a divine attitude and will as gracious and also guys a divine bestowment of an inward power to obey thus under grace cannot possibly mean a license to sin are you guys getting this Some see that there are two equal dangers that Christians must avoid. Legalism and lawlessness or license. Okay, legalism, guys. You guys, often we talk about life and there's two ditches, okay? Legalism and lawlessness. Let's look at it that way for a second. Aren't we supposed to stay on the straight and the narrow, right? You you lean one way, too much legalism, the rules, the the laws, the regulations, okay? You're going to find yourself in the ditch. In lawlessness, if you're over here, too much grace, can't have too much grace, right? You'll fall in the ditch over here. And they think if all you talk about is grace, then lawlessness is going to happen. I would say no. As I read what Paul says here, I believe Paul is saying no. You see, the only one enemy, guys, of the gospel of grace, there's one, and it's namely legalism. Okay, that's what we understand from God's word. It's legalism, yet it comes in two forms. Legalism, say, coming through the front door, keeping rules, doing everything you're told to do, being a good little boy or a good little girl, then if you stay within those boundaries and you keep those rules, legalism says you can save yourself. We know it doesn't work that way. That is a, that's another gospel. That's not true. The back door, let's say, of legalism is for those who go on the other way breaking the rules, doing whatever. But this is just another form of legalism if you think about it. You see, it's just another law you're submitting yourself to. And they are simply a slave being led to death according to verse 16 here. 
So again, under grace cannot possibly mean a license to sin. And the protest, once again, is what? Certainly not. No way. Okay? Now, in light of this, in this question, there's some new obligations for you and I. Again, look at verse 16. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey? Whether of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness, but God be thanked that though you were slaves to sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered, and having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. So really, verse 16, guys, is who will you present yourself to obey? That is the question. I so enjoyed, I got to go back to our Thursday morning Bible study for the men, okay? Uh, Sonny's done with school now, and I got to go back, and I have to take the kiddos to school. Um, and we were finishing up Joshua, um, and we, we, we covered a few chapters, but in chapter 24, and I, I love it, I want to share it with you, verses 14 and 15, this is paraphrased a little bit. So now fear God, okay? Worship him with total commitment. Get rid of the gods of your ancestors, the ones they worshipped on the other side of the river, the Euphrates, and in Egypt. You worship God. If you decide that it is a bad thing to worship God, then choose a God you'd rather serve and do it today. Choose one of the gods of your ancestors who they worshipped from a country beyond the river or one of the gods of the Amorites on whose land you're now living. As for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. Okay? I love it. We don't have a whole lot of scripture posted all over. I've been to some of your houses. you got scripture everywhere. I go into your bathroom. There's scripture even in there. Okay? That's awesome. That's cool. We only have one big scripture in our house. Tim and Emily Smith, some of you guys know them. They gave years ago this big old plate, you know? And it says, it's Joshua 24. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I love that that reminder is there for our family. We Churchills, we're going to serve the Lord. Our house, we are about worshiping God. That is what we're given to. That is our choice. We're not going to choose other gods, the things of this world. We are going to serve the Lord. So, um, did you guys hear that Bob Dylan turned 80 last week? Dude's getting old. Some of you guys are like, yeah, Bob, that's because you're all old. Um, <laughs> when I turned, on my second birthday, he released a song called You Gotta Serve Somebody. You guys familiar with that song? It goes like this. You may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble and you may like to dance. You may be a heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls, but you're going to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. He's absolutely right. Who are you going to serve? Um, I have a hard time when I hear people say we're all God's children. That's one of the most unbiblical statements of all time. 
If you are in Christ Jesus and you've put your faith in him, you are a child of the living God. That's pretty exciting. Your home, your citizenship is in heaven. That's exciting. But we're not all children of God. According to God, the Bible tells us that people who are not in Christ are children of Satan. Period. You are either giving your allegiance to Satan or to Jesus. Well, I'm not doing that. (laughs) Because my allegiance is to myself. I'm on the throne of my life. I'm calling the shots. (laughs) You're doing well, child of Satan. Your father's a father of lies, and he's really good at thinking that, you know, you, you can really do your own thing and live your own life and be your own king and God. No, there's one God, okay? But we do have a choice about who we're going to choose to give our allegiance to. And I'm going to choose, and I know you have chosen, and if you haven't, I hope you choose today to give your allegiance to the good king, Jesus Christ, because the other king, Satan, he stinks, okay? He's horrible. Um, But we have to serve somebody. So no one is completely free. Let's consider this for a moment, guys. In other words, absolutely dependent upon authority or control. But ironically, and I want you guys to catch this, if you miss anything this morning or everything this morning, don't miss this one truth, okay? That it's only in Christ, being a slave to Christ Jesus, that you can find true freedom. That's the only way a person can be truly free. It's being in Christ. It's ironic, but that's what Paul is laying down. That's what the scriptures teach us. So Paul says we only have two choices. You serve sin, which leads to death, or you serve Christ, which leads to eternal life. And both demand what? Obedience. You guys catching this? It demands obedience. Some actually think that they're in control of their own destiny. Okay, they feel like there's neither, you know, handcuffs nor fetters. But regardless of whatever religious claims they've made, the real master was identified in the commands they obeyed. So if they obeyed the commands of sin, then sin was their master and their destiny. And if they obeyed the commands of righteousness, well, their master is life. Okay? So you get to choose who you want to serve. But once you have, you need to perfectly obey your master. And what a slave does, I mean, this is what a slave does ultimately. They obey It's determined by whatever the master is asking. Hey, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. You guys understand that? He's Lord and Savior. Not just Savior from the fires of hell. No, he is Lord also. He is Master. You need to believe on him in your heart. Lord and Master, right? So let's talk about obedience for a second here. Surely now God's telling us to do something, right? No. Okay, God cares about the motives of our obedience. And that's what Paul is getting to here. What is the motive? Think about Cain and Abel for a second. Okay, they were told by God to make offerings, sacrifices, right? Abel got to do it. Cain's mentality is that he had to do it. So what is the motivation behind our obedience? They both did it, but what was the motivation behind the doing of it? That's what God cares about. Think about the obedience of the Pharisee. You guys know those Old Testament Pharisees, man? They were obedient to the law, the letter of the law. 
And I think about the saints of old, of David and Noah and Moses, okay? And I think about the difference there. Like, Jesus came. I mean, who, he, who did he rebuke most harshly? The Pharisees. What was, what was going on? They were obedient. What was their motive behind the obedience? Okay, that's what God sees. That's what he cares about. Okay, see the Pharisees, they rocked the obedience, yet Jesus, okay, just because they were obedient moralists, okay. Uh, Paul here, it's, not, it's, it's why none of Paul's letters, if you think about all the different letters that he had written to the churches, right? We got a bunch of them in the New Testament, okay. They never, ever start with what we have to do. Have you guys ever caught that? We started Romans here to start about what we have to do. No. Instead, it always begins with what God has done, doesn't it? Okay? Like I know David is taught through Colossians. He loved teaching through Colossians. Colossians is an awesome book. But the first couple chapters, wasn't it all about how awesome Jesus is and all that he's done? And then finally, you come to chapter 3. It's only four chapters long. But halfway through, it's all about God and what he's done. And then it's like, hey, by the way, you now, because of, in light of what God has done and who he is, you are in Christ. You, you set your mind on the things above. Get that eternal mindset going. <laughs> you need to start living this way. I love Ephesians. Same thing. That book's six chapters long. But the first three chapters, oh, man, all that Christ is and who we are in him. First three chapters. And then the last three speak to us on how we live out our Christian faith. So again, first who God is, what he has done, and then as a result. I mean, chapter 4 of Ephesians, right? Walk worthy of your calling, right? We're to walk out our faith as a result. And that's the reality of the gospel, brother and sister. This is the key. Here is the key. So many of us are tripping and falling into legalism or lawlessness or whatever. The key is the gospel. You see, we focus on the performance of Jesus, not us, okay? Nor our performance for him. It's all about him. It's centered on him. So what he's done not what we can do for him. So I believe if we understand this, if we grab this Freedom Fellowship family, okay, if we really grasp this truth, we'll be less enslaved to our sin. Okay? That is a guarantee. That is a promise. Why? Because we're going to be more grateful for Jesus. And when we are grateful for him and all that he has done, okay, we are going to be in more of a place of wanting to live a life that pleases him, right? If I'm standing in awe of who he is, if I'm living gospel reality, if my life is centered on the gospel, the good news of who he is and what he's done, are we not going to be changed in a way of, yeah, I want to honor you. I do want to please you. I want to live in such a way. So when we identify the gospel as the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, okay? Yes, that is all true. It's all part of it. What he did is the gospel. 
And because of that, we simply respond in awe and adoration. Like, wow, you loved me that much. I was a sinner. I was your enemy. And you died for me so I could be forgiven? You want to give me life and life eternal? Whoo, this is good. I appreciate that, God. I adore you. I'm in awe of you. I am grateful. My heart is overwhelmed. I desire now to live out this truth. I want to live in such a way of this reality of what you have done, what pleases you. Our mission here at Freedom is very simple. You guys may have seen it on our website to live the great commandment and to fulfill the great commission. Do you guys know that those things are completely gospel-centered? It's all about Jesus. How can I live the great commandment to really love you, God, with all of my heart, soul, and strength? Well, guys, don't you know that's just what we do as Christians? The Bible, this is the greatest commandment. You need to try harder. Does that get you motivated to do it? Nuh-uh. But if we look to God's word, which the volume of the book is about Jesus, and we stand in awe of who he is, the glory of who he is, all that he has done, the reality of the good news, that he is the save, he's mighty to save, and he's the savior of the world, and he so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. If we live in that hope Aren't we going to respond a little bit to the greatest commandment ever given to love God? Absolutely, I get to love you. Wow, it's easy to love you because you are so lovable. It's easy to love you. My neighbor's hard to love, but I love you. Oh, wait a minute. That's the second part of our mission, isn't it? You've told us to fulfill that great commitment. My neighbor, that's, that's part of filling that great commission. But God, you know what they're up to. You know what they do. But you're so good. I, I was in their same place. I used to be in rebellion. I, I was a sinner just like them. They need to know you too. They need the hope that I found in you. How can I not go share the gospel with them too? Do you guys understand how the gospel, how Jesus changes everything? It's beautiful. And his ways are so far beyond ours. And it's a bummer there's so much legalism today in the church. God wants us to be free. He wants us to be free, guys. And we can walk out in that freedom when we're loving Jesus. You know, that's how we fulfill the law, right? Isn't the whole law summed up in this one word, love? <laughs> love. And now because Jesus is extraordinary, guys, catch this. Because he's extraordinary, we are free to be ordinary. Because Jesus is someone, we're free to be no one. And because Jesus has succeeded, we're free to fail. I love the gospel because <laughs> it's not about us. It is all about him. All about him. Legalism makes it about us. And if this is rubbing you the wrong way, you're probably a legalist. You need to do a deep dive. You need to get on your knees before the Lord. You need to receive the truth. Because Jesus said when you know the truth, it's going to set you free.
And let me tell you what, when we are free in Christ, we're going to rock the world for the gospel, for the kingdom of God. Look at verse 17. But God be thank that though you were slaves to sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that from or that form of doctrine to which you were delivered, and having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. As Christians, though, our choice of masters has already been made. Do you guys understand that? Everything we just read here, this is this is all in the past tense. Did you guys catch it? Look again at verse 17. But God be thanked that though you were slaves to sin, yet you obeyed from the heart the form of doctrine to which you were delivered, and having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. This is already finished, guys. You guys understand? Jesus on the cross, it is finished. It is done. Some of us think we need to work in our Christianity into a place of salvation. It's good to have faith, but now I have to do more in order to really be saved. That's so unbiblical. It's already done. So the question then comes back to one of ownership or our allegiance. Okay, It's already been settled according to the scriptures here. Christ has rescued us from this cruel reign, the mastery of sin, and he's brought us under his own ownership. Yet, according to verse 17 here, it says you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine, and the doctrine is speaking of the gospel here, to which you were delivered or entrusted. So grab, you know, grab the picture from the word form here. Okay, the believer being poured into, say, a form or a mold, thus taking shape by yielding the obedience of the heart. And do you guys know when we follow our Master, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ, okay? Do you guys know that Christian means little Christs? Okay? We're being made to be like Him. More and more sanctified every day. Isn't that cool to think about? And I don't know about you guys, but when I hang with people a lot, they begin to rub off on me a little bit. I become to, you know, become a little bit like them in some ways and start doing things they do. And we're called to hang with Jesus. Abide in me, right? And if we're hanging with him, we're going to become more and more like him. That's sanctification, guys. That's what truth does. See my Bible holster here? I got two verses on it. One of them is John 17, 17. It says, my word is truth. Sanctify them in my word. Okay? It's in the word of God that will change us. Some of us struggle with these realities. Some of you guys listening right now are just like, man, I've been having conflict of faith. I've been struggling through these, some, these things. I've been held by this sin or this temptation or this addiction. I don't feel free. Well, guess what, guys? You just need to surrender and obey. Okay? We're going to get there in a second, but think about the new duties. Let's look at verse 19 because this will drive, drive it home for you and I. He says, I speak in terms because of the weakness, or human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you were presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, 
So now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. So our new duties, guys, it is a yielding to righteousness with this view of holiness. It's a transfer of our moral energies. Okay, what are we going to give ourselves to? And I love that he says human terms here because this is a metaphor speaking of slavery. Okay, it doesn't completely do justice to the point that Paul's trying to make here. Okay, uh, for those new Christians, their freedom in Christ. But it does help us see a change of allegiance in the domination um, from sin. Okay, we can be set free from it and be given to Christ. That's the point here. And also remember, slavery is an ongoing condition, isn't it? Okay? Because we think about rather than a one-time purchase, Paul says, I died daily. You guys ever, you know, why? Why is that important? Well, Jesus told us to pick up our cross and follow him. And that's a daily thing too, isn't it? Okay? We have choices every day. Today we woke up. <laughs> am I going to live for self or these other gods? Or am I going to say, yes, God, here I am. <laughs> I'm your slave. Whatever you want. What's on the agenda today, master? <laughs> what are you asking? And then to be in a place to joyfully obey and to do that. It is a beautiful thing. And Paul, I think, here uses the, the picture of slavery to communicate these truths to us and for you guys who do struggle because i've talked with people in the past why does god have laws when it comes to slavery isn't well, how could a loving god allow slavery guys there's always been slavery in the world do you guys know that that's just part of our fallen nature okay it's always been and the bummer is when people take that take and start pointing their finger at god it's just like you should really read those scriptures for yourself because what you're going to find is when God does lay out these laws about slavery, it's actually to set them free. It's to make sure that their masters are being good to them. Okay, That's why Paul, even at the beginning of this letter to the Romans, you guys remember that he said he was a bondservant of Jesus Christ? A bond slave? A doulos? You guys remember in the Old Testament when a slave was finally free to go? He had served his master for you know amount of years. He did it, everything he was supposed to do. He was free. He could go. But if that slave said, my master's been good, I love my master. He's been really good to me. He could become a bond slave and choose to be a slave to that master the rest of his life. And he'd go to a doorpost and stick a big wooden nail into his ear to show a sign like, hey, you know, I am my master's. I, I've chosen freely to be his slave. And that's the same thing for you and I as Christians, guys. When we turned from the bad king, Satan, and we gave our allegiance to Jesus, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. We have a new master. Okay? So, let's look at the rewards, because there's some new rewards that come. Verse 21 what fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death, but now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. 
For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that cool? I hope you guys caught all the new rewards, like verse 22, being set free from sin, bearing the fruit of holiness in verse 22, everlasting life in verse 22, and then 23 tells us that we get the gift of eternal life. Okay? You guys know how long eternal life is? It's like forever and ever and ever. Like my brain can't comprehend it. I know you guys are way smarter than me and probably get that, but I don't understand. I get to be with Jesus, you know, not just for a short time in heaven, not just one lifetime, but forever and ever and ever. That is so awesome. So if a Christian fails morally, what do we do? Well, I don't fail morally. You're lying to yourself. You just sinned. You just failed. Um, <laughs> you guys understand we're going to fall. But what does a righteous man, woman do? They get back up. Okay? They get back up. We repent. We turn back to Jesus. Um, when we do fail, it's not because there isn't power available there for us to overcome, to do what is right. The power is there. We just have not appropriated that power. Does that make sense? Okay? Um, God is there for us. Okay? The victory has been won. It is over. Okay? Temptation is still a very real thing. We still have choice. We can choose to walk in the flesh or to walk in the spirit. Our master is asking us to obey. I want you to walk in righteousness, holiness. Be holy as I am holy. I've given you my Holy Spirit, okay? He will empower you to do what's right. But our flesh, what will it do? There's times that we grieve the Spirit of God, that we choose not to yield. We want to fulfill the lust of the flesh. We want to say, time out here, God. You know, get off the throne. I, I want to take a seat for a little while. I want to call my own shots. And that's when we get into trouble. And then we reap the consequences of the sin. But the thing is, it's not that God had a way of escape or, you know, help the power of the Holy Spirit to help us through it. We just didn't choose to appropriate that power. That's where we went wrong. It's he's there for us and he is faithful. He is always faithful, but we got to keep leaning on him. Look at verse 23. It talks about fruit here. Um, when you think about the fruit of our lives, expression of our life, it may indicate character or um, rather than conduct. I think about the ninefold description we're given in Galatians chapter 5 about the fruit of the spirits there. That all comes back to the believer's character, doesn't it? And that's the way we want to live out. I love hanging out with people who are full of the fruit of the spirit. Man, they're just loving Jesus, loving others. I'm like, I want to, can we be best friends? Like, you know, I love it. And then verse 23 talks about wages or these provisions here. So a wage uh, wages of a soldier, okay? A deserved payment versus undeserved gift. So the pleasures of sin are never compensated by the wages of sin. You know, sinning, guys, ultimately is not worth it. Guys, it never is. It may be fun for a season, but it's never worth it. So two things there are that uh, no man has arithmetic to reckon uh, the line of measure. And one of those things would be the extent of man's loss who loses his own soul. 
And God cares about that a lot. He desires none to perish. That's the heart of our God. I mean, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He loves his creation. He loves mankind. He did everything. He gave all of himself so we could be set free, forgiven. He did it all. And the depth we can't understand for a person who rejects Christ. We don't understand that. But then on the flip side, guys, the other extent would be God's gift to you and I, okay, that he has given to us as sinners to be forgiven of our sin. We're just talking about how long eternity is. That's forever and ever and ever and ever. I can't comprehend what that is all going to look like forever. Jesus came to give life and life abundantly. There is so much. We can't do the math. It's going to be so far beyond anything that we can even imagine, guys. So, wrapping up. Some of us are familiar with a, a boxer by the name of Muhammad Ali. You guys familiar with him? You guys know that his name used to be uh, Cassius Clay? Okay. Uh, he said that Clay was a name that came from slavery and he would not wear it any longer. So that's why he changed his name. What he did not know, the Cassius Clay for whom he was named was a fiery opponent to slavery during a time you don't dare do that, okay? Um, but on the other hand, the original Muhammad Ali did nothing to replace slavery with freedom. So make a wise choice, guys. As Christians, we get to wear the name in which we have been set free, right? In, the, in, in our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. We are Christians. We are His. We are in Him. It's beautiful. There's a Chinese proverb that says, you don't drown by falling in the water. You drown by staying there. So will you receive the gift? That's the gospel. The grace of God. He offers eternal life to anybody, the forgiveness of sins, to have relationship with your creator. Will you receive it? That is your choice. Or you continue on in the wages of sin. It's your choice. So choose your master, knowing that God's love for you and approval for you will never be determined by your performance for Jesus, but Jesus' performance for you will actually make you perform better and better, not worse and worse. It's that simple, guys. So in other words, grace mobilizes. That's why we're to grow in the grace of God. That's why we're to get the grace of God here. Understand what the scriptures are saying to us. Because when we know the word, when we know the truth, it's going to set us free. So it's about his grace. And that will move us. That will motivate us. It will mobilize us, guys. Performance does not mobilize grace. It doesn't work that way. Just ask Robin who got that A. Right? We sang earlier, Rock of Ages. Okay? That wasn't a song about justification. Did you guys catch the lyrics? It's all about our sanctification. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. 
naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly, wash me, Savior, or I die. So, Father, we're thankful for your word. Seems like every time we gather together and we uh, hear from you, God, it always comes back to you, Jesus who you are and what you've done, this amazing grace that we get to consider and to live in. God, we want to be those who walk in ways that honor you, that please you, that glorify your name. But we know we need your grace to do it. And because you've been so kind to us and so good to us, how can we not? We thank you, Jesus. We do stand in awe of you. We simply do cling to the cross. Nothing to give. We're just holding on to you, Jesus. Amen. So as we go, guys, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. You guys are loved. I'm loving Romans. I don't know about you guys, but chapter 7 and 8 get really good. So read ahead, please. Next week, we'll be back in Genesis. Looking forward to that.